So, when Doug leaves, or gives me a chance to get up here on stage, as the being the youth pastor that I am, I always have to take advantage and put in a plug for kids ministry volunteers. So I'm going to do that. Um, and next week, actually, Doug is going to be talking about some opportunities for serving uh, in the fall, but I'm preempting him by one week, okay? So don't tell him I'm doing this. Just sign up, and then they'll be like, why aren't there any volunteers for anybody else? It's because they're all, you know, helping in the cool place in kids' ministry. By the way, do we have any kids, fifth grade or below, here right now on the lawn? Anybody? Okay, come on up, guys. Come on up real fast. Run, run, run. Run, run, run. Don't be shy. Don't be shy. Oh, yeah, here we go. It's a pretty low kids' day, you know. They're probably all out partying, being Labor Day and whatever. Come on up, guys. Okay, you have to help me out. Okay, okay. I need you to look at everybody and act really sad, okay? Look really sad and pathetic, okay? Count of three. Okay, ready? Go, go for it. Okay, here are our kids. And these are, these are amazing kids, but look at how sad and pathetic they look. And, that, and that's because they know we lost over half of our volunteers in kids' ministry over the past year. And they're wondering who's going to be on the team to go back there and run kids' ministry. Right, guys? Okay. Caden, try and cry. Try and cry. Okay. All right. But, but, I mean, look, they're devastated, okay? And these are, look at these cool kids. Are they not cool kids? They are. Thank you, guys. High five. Candy bars coming, okay? Go ahead and sit down. All right. Those are awesome kids. We have so many great kids here, and really, kids ministry is an awesome place to serve. So if you're a parent or a grandparent or you just want to hang out with some kids, we would love your help. There are two main um, areas that we need help. One is being a teacher or teacher's assistant. So every Sunday, we want to have um, three classes, so three divisions of, of kids, um, you help them with some activities, uh, you guide them through a craft, and you bring them to large group. And we have large group covered. We have some uh, really dynamic teachers who run large group, um, and so it's really fun. But all you have to do is hang out with the kids and, and have a good time with them. And we're also going to try something new in that we're going to try and have three teams who serve a month at a time and then have two months off. So if you sign up, you would serve for a month, and that helps us get through a unit in our curriculum, and you get to be there for that whole theme or that whole uh, story point, and then you have two, um, two months off until you have to come back. So we're going to try that uh, new rotation, and I think it's going to be great. So um, if you're interested, you can sign up at that table back there. Um, if our signs haven't blown over or blown off, they're, they're back there, and you can sign up um, to help, or just contact me, and I can get you some more information. Oh, and I forgot, the other one, you can be a teacher or a craft preparer. So if you like crafts and uh, you're kind of crafty and like to collect things um, in advance, that is another way that you could help us out, and um, that would be great. So thank you for considering that. Again, don't tell Doug that I made that announcement. Okay. Um, is, is this on YouTube? Probably is. Is Doug here this morning? Okay, good. All right. Um, all right, so uh, we are finishing up Summer Psalms, and uh, what, a, what a great series. It's just so awesome to go into the Psalms and hear these poems and these, these songs that people have written to God, 
expressing real life, expressing legitimate concerns, um, reminding themselves of the truth of who God is and, and what he's like. Um, it's just, I just love the Psalms. And today we're wrapping up um, the Summer Psalms, the sequel, and I'm ending with a good one, okay? We're going to talk about how to be a bad guy. Isn't that what you came to church here for this morning? How can I be a villain? All right? Some of you are villains. Uh, you own that. That's great. Um, and we're going we're gonna to look at a psalm that actually talks about how to be a villain. But before that, I want to see if you actually know your villains. I'm going to read a dialogue between uh, or from a villain, and, and I want to see if you can identify who this is. Okay? Oh, I'm real. Real enough to defeat you. And I did it without your precious gifts, your oh-so-special powers. I'll give them heroics. I'll give them the most spectacular heroics anyone's ever seen. And when I'm old and I've had my fun, I'll sell my inventions so that everyone can be superheroes. Everyone can be super. And when everyone's super... (laughs) maniacal laugh no one will be does anybody know who that oh okay my kids yep good job uh in in the back uh who is it is that wes right there wes who is it the guy from the incredibles half a point for knowing the movie who is the actual oh right here syndrome syndrome aka buddy a.k.a. Incrediboy, all right? So at this point in the movie, Incrediboy has grown up. He used to want to be Mr. Incredible's helper, but now he's actually fighting against Mr. Incredible. Here's a little bit more of what he says. It's finally ready. You know, I went through quite a few supers to make it worthy to fight you, but man, it wasn't good enough. After you trashed the last one, I had to make some major modifications Sure, it was difficult, but you are worth it. I mean, after all, I am your biggest fan. And at that point, Mr. Incredible realizes it's Buddy from way back in the day. He has a flashback. And he says, Buddy? And he goes, my name is not Buddy, and it's not Incredible either. That ship has sailed. All I wanted was to help you. I only wanted to help you. And what did you say to me? Fly home, Buddy. I work alone. And then he says, it tore me apart. But I learned an important lesson. You can't count on anyone, especially your heroes. Now, another section of that scene is when uh, Mr. Incredible sees a moment where Buddy is wrapped up in his own thoughts, and he makes an effort to try and escape, and Incredible flashes out of it and stops him, or syndrome, and then he says, oh, you caught me monologuing. Do you remember that? So every good villain in a movie usually has a monologue. And a monologue is where they reveal to the hero or to people or whatever kind of their reasons for being. Why they're fighting everyone, why they want to win, why they're mad at the world, okay? It's called their monologue. It reveals what's going on in their own heart and mind. And in the psalm that we're going to look at today, we get kind of a monologue. The psalm was written by David, but at one point, he kind of transitions into the character of the wicked man. 
the character of the oppressor and gives us some insights into why he is like he is. And what I want uh, for us this morning is to just think about, are there any aspects of the wicked man or the reviler that are present in your life? Because the road that it leads down is a really bad one. It's a really negative one. And I would hate for any of us to suddenly realize that we're the bad guy. That maybe we're not as close to God as we thought. Or, or even to get to the point where you bold-faced turn away from God. And I know if you show up on a, on a Sunday morning and you're sitting in the lawn and you're listening to this, that, that might not be you to that point, but I know a lot of people in my own life and some people that I really care about who have gotten to that point where they've gone down this road and they've walked away from God. They don't think he's around. They don't care about him. And then the next step is how you begin to treat other people because you don't have God in your life. And that's what I think David is trying to, to warn us of as he gives us insight into this wicked person. So if you have your Bibles and you'd like to join with me, turn to Psalm 10. And a little background on Psalm 10. Psalm 10 is actually probably the second half of Psalm 9. Um, we actually think that they were just one psalm that somehow got split up. In the Septuagint, which is the Greek version of the Old Testament, they are listed as one psalm. Um, and it's also an acrostic. And an, an acrostic was a poetic device where every line would start with one of the letters of the Hebrew alphabet. And 9 and 10 go together. So the lines just uh, continue and it um, finishes off the acrostic. And so that's why we think they're together. But we're just going to look at Psalm 10. Psalm 10, verse 1. Why, O Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? In his arrogance, the wicked man hunts down the weak who are caught in the schemes he devises. He boasts of the cravings of his heart. He blesses the greedy and reviles the Lord. In his pride, the wicked does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. His ways are always prosperous. He is haughty and your laws are far from him. He sneers at all his enemies. He says to himself, nothing. Well, that'll shake me. Um, <laughs> you all right there, Blake? You good? All right. Uh, he says in all, he's, he says to himself, nothing will shake me. I'll always be happy and never have trouble. His mouth is full of curses and lies and threats. Trouble and evil are under his tongue. He lies in wait near the villages. From ambush, he murders the innocent, watching in secret for his victims. He lies in wait like a lion in cover. He lies in wait to catch the helpless. He catches the helpless and drags them off in his net. His victims are crushed. They collapse. They fall under his strength. He says to himself, pay attention to that. He says to himself, God has forgotten. He covers his face and never sees. Arise, Lord, 
Lift up your hand, O God. Do not forget the helpless. Why does the wicked man revile God? Why does he say to himself, he won't call me to account? But you, O God, do see trouble and grief. You consider it and take it in hand. The victim commits himself to you. You are the helper of the fatherless. Break the arm of the wicked and evil man. Call him to account for his wickedness that would not be found out. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations will perish from his land. You hear, O Lord, the desire of the afflicted. You encourage them and you listen to their cry. Defending the fatherless and the oppressed in order that man who is of the earth may terrify no more. Now, it's interesting that this psalm, uh, halfway between 9 and 10, begins with a question. And I wonder if you have ever questioned God like this. Look at verse 1 again. What's he say? Why, O Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? You ever been there? You ever been in a tight spot? Maybe your life has even been at risk. Maybe your relationship's falling apart. Maybe it's a job thing or whatever, but, but things are going, uh, things are difficult. And you get to that point where you ask that question, where are you, God? Are you even there? Do you even see what's going on? Now that question in and of itself isn't necessarily bad. In fact, it's a good thing if you are asking it honestly of God. <laughs> I'm a powerful speaker. I just, I, yeah, I just made Bruce jump, you know. I'm just, I got him. Uh, it's, not, it's not bad to ask questions of God, and it's not bad to wonder where he is, because that's just life. We are weak. And when things get hard, we do wonder, why, why, God, am I going through this? But we have to be so careful where we go after we ask that question. Because that question can subtly turn into an accusation. An accusation that God isn't really who he says he is. That he's not really the defender of the fatherless. He's not really a protector. He doesn't really have my best interest in mind. In fact, you know what, God? Where have you been? Are you even real? You love me, God? So that question, just be very careful. Make sure that it is a legitimate seeking of the Lord. An honest confession that right now things are hard, God, but I trust you and I need you to reveal yourself to me. So, so please, I'm asking you to show up in my life. Make sure it's that and not an accusation. And what I think part of David is doing here is he's showing us what will happen if you go down the road of accusation. Because that kind of kicks off this description of the wicked man and what he's like. Let's look at these and kind of just go through these to get this idea of who this reviler is. All right? So one of the first things we see is that he doesn't seek God. He's not interested in God's help. God is not a resource. He's not a helper. He's not a friend. Have you ever been in that situation in your life? 
I, I know that there have been times when I've suddenly realized, sometimes weeks, sometimes months into a difficulty or a problem, that I have not yet prayed about it. You know what that reveals? It just reveals that, at least at that time in my life, I didn't see God as a resource or a helper. I was trying to figure it out on my own. I was going to YouTube or the internet or doctors or whatever, rather than going to God first. This line, I love this line, it says, there's no room for God in his thoughts. That made me think of those situations, and I don't know if you've been there, but have you ever had to join a group, and maybe the group really didn't know you yet, or uh, you were kind of the newbie, and they're all talking about something, and then you kind of get brave, and, and you say something in the group, and everyone kind of stops and looks at you, and maybe someone gives you kind of a polite acknowledgement, but then they just go back to their conversation. Have you ever been there? That, that, in a way, is how this wicked man is treating God. God tries to interject, oh, yeah, well, uh, what about this? Or, uh, you know, have we, have we thought about this solution? I, I have something here that might help. Who are you again? If you, could just, if you could just be quiet over there, we'll continue. That's the attitude towards God. Here's something that surprised me in this list. They're always successful. Always successful. You know you can get a lot done without God? There are a lot of wicked people who got it going on. Maybe it's financially. Maybe it's like the respect of, of community. But you can get a lot done without God. God actually sometimes is quite inconvenient. Pretty slow actually. Maybe you've heard that saying, uh, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go with a group. Oh, thank you, Michael. better kind of Hello? Okay, there we go. Ooh, that's even got a little echo to it. Kind of like it. Booming. All right. So there's no, there's no room. We'll, we'll just go with it, and if there's distractions, we apologize. Um, I'll say amen soon. All right. Um, the wicked person is prideful. Two, one, two. Okay. There we go. No crackles. No sounding good. 
Okay, here we go. Um, they're prideful. It says that they're haughty and that they boast in their greed. They boast in their greed, this wicked person. It says that uh, they don't consider God's law. So a wicked person doesn't care about morality. They don't, they don't care about the rules that God has laid out in order to um, give them some parameters and help guide them towards righteousness. They just live. They just do their own thing. They make up their own rules. Um, I'm actually reading a book right now uh, where a person is just talking about how freeing it was to finally get away from kind of the conservative, um, oppressive environment that they grew up in. And when they finally started to live their own life, how freeing that was. And that is such a common sentiment today. Now, do we always do the right thing as parents? No. Are there situations where someone needs to grow up and kind of grow out of maybe some of the restrictions that they grew up in? Sure. But what worries me is when someone when someone's making the case that, you know what, I'm my own law. And I'm not going to let anyone tell me what to do. And I get to make up my own rules. That's a reviler of God. It says that they sneer at enemies. They sneer at enemies. Now, conflict is inevitable in life. You're always going to have someone that you come against. But the wicked person delights in eradicating their enemies. They take pleasure in their downfall. Have you ever been in the situation where you've been sad to win? You ever had that feeling? Where it ended up that you were right, that you were vindicated or you got your way, and you were kind of happy, but you were also, you had some empathy for the other person? I think that's more what God wants to see in our hearts. Because we, we need to remember why we're fighting. Aren't we fighting for, for unity? Aren't we fighting for righteousness? Aren't we fighting for the betterment of everyone? And yes, yeah, sometimes when someone's being really wicked or they're doing something evil, we're glad when we stop that process, when, when we overcome, when, when we win. But I think a godly person looks at our enemy and we have love for them. I think someone important told us to, to have love for our enemies. So we shouldn't just delight in their destruction, but we should delight in the, the overcoming of good over evil. But we should have compassion for other people. We shouldn't just sneer at them and be glad when they lose. This person has anger. Their mouth is full of cursing and anger. They ambush the innocent and helpless, which is so interesting because, you know, they're, they're talking about how God isn't around, how God is hiding himself. He doesn't see who can, you know, where's God? And then he's hiding to spring on the innocent. He's being deceptive. A godly person is known. They're, they're out in the open. They're, they're, they're not they're not springing things on people. One of the, the common things that I see today in, in kind of our world is, is just how social media 
have all of these underlying agendas that they hide from us. They're putting it right in the algorithms, right? Facebook wants to connect you with communities and friends. What do they really want? To sell you things. Okay? And they're really subtle about it, and they're really sneaky. And it's not just Facebook. It's everybody, right? And I use Facebook. But there are all these people who have wicked intentions, and they're deceitful, and they're prowling around, and they just want to take from you. Are you that kind of a person? Are you a person when you have needs that you let someone know openly what you need? Or do you try and manipulate the situation so that you get what you want in your own way? Are you a deceiver? Are you a schemer? He interprets God in a self-serving way. And this is just the last point that I want to make and kind of the main application for us. As you think about going down the road of the wicked person, one of the things that comes up in the list of all the things that the wicked person does is what he says to himself about God. A wicked person, a reviler of God, will misinterpret God's actions in a self-serving way. They will misinterpret God's silence or his actions in a self-serving way. And this is where our self-talk, he says to himself, our self-talk is so important. Because we're all trying to come up with reasons. We're all trying to come up with justifications for what we do. And you are in grave danger when you are sliding away from the truth of who God is in order to allow yourself to get away with things. That's the way of the wicked person. He says, God, God hasn't done anything. I've been getting away with this stuff for a long time, and God has yet to do anything to me. He's not going to hold me to account. Who is God? There is no God. God is a, a figment of our imagination. It's a social construct. There's no judgment. There's no heaven or hell. I can do what I want. And these are the, these are the things that are happening inside this man's mind that are allowing him to continue down the path that he's going down. And I don't know about you guys, but I have done this in my own life. One of the crazy things about human nature is that we rarely logically follow the truth to end up with a conclusion. Usually, we'll decide what we want to do based on our emotions or our heart, and then we'll look for facts to justify our behavior. And so when someone has kind of fallen off the rails and decided to pursue an ungodly path, if, if we could put their, their inner life on speakerphone, you would often hear justifications just like this. God doesn't care about me. There's no consequence. If God was really there, then why did this happen? Or why would this happen? Or aren't I supposed to be happy? We all do this. And I just want to warn you that what you say in your own mind to yourself and the way that you justify your behavior has great power over the kind of person that you can become. 
and you need God's truth in your mind. You need to be speaking the truth of God to yourself. And David shows us how to do that in this psalm. He ends on this, and I'll, I'll wrap up with this because this is really the truth of who God is. And if this question has been yours, why, O oh Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Here's what David said is the truth, that the Lord is king forever and ever. The nations will perish from his land. You hear, O oh Lord, the desire of the afflicted. You encourage them and you listen to their cry. God encourages them and listens to their cry, defending the fatherless and the oppressed in order that man who is of the earth may terrify no more. Do you want to know who God is? God is the sovereign king of all the world. He made you for himself. And he loves you. And he is not ignorant of your pain. He's not ignorant of your struggle. He knows what you're going through, and he cares. And earlier in the psalm, it says that he sees the grief of the oppressed and he takes it to hand. He, he takes your issue and he puts it right before him. And he's going to do something about it. And here's where our part comes in. We need to trust him to do what he needs to do to bring us to himself. And when we remind ourselves of those kind of truths, then we're not tempted to pursue our own well-being. We're not tempted to take advantage of others. We're not just a law unto ourselves. We become people who can learn to wait on God. We become people who, who even though we are honest about the difficulty of life, end up trusting in who God has said he is. And there's no clear evidence of who God is than Jesus. There is nothing that says that we are loved like a Savior who would give himself up. The wicked person murders and steals and cheats and ambushes. But the Son of God came and put himself up on a cross and died for our sin. The complete opposite of the reviler of God. And in him we have hope. So tell yourself that. Catch yourself monologuing. And stop yourself. And remind yourself of the truth of who God is and who Jesus is. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this gorgeous morning. We thank you for the beauty of the sunshine and the dew and the gentle breeze, and we're just glad to be able to gather here to worship you. Father, I thank you that we have psalms like this that, um, for whatever reason, describe for us what a wicked person is and what they say and how they act. And Lord, we, we don't want the wicked to win, so we ask you to fight against all wickedness in this world. Break their arms. Remove them from the land. But God, I also come and humbly ask you to help us realize when we are starting to be the bad guy. When our own self-talk is not truthful. And when we are tempted to take advantage of others. 
and ignore the example and the teaching that you've given us. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he is our ultimate example and that if we follow him, we will be far away from the, the wicked person and the reviler of God. And we thank you that we can look forward to the end coming when all will be made right. You are the just judge, and we trust you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.